Pop World. Surpass first point guard and Trailblaze reporter Mike Richmond listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, do it now. Thanks so much for making Locked on Blazers your first listen every single day. It's free on all platforms, five days a week. The only daily, daily Trailblazers podcast coming at you every single weekday. So make it part of daily routine. Make your first listen every day and tell your friends to do the same. It is the end of an era in Portland. Today, Tuesday, February 8th, the Blazers agreed to send C.J. McCollum to the New Orleans Pelicans in a multiplayer trade that signals the end of an era and the next step forward for the Trailblazers. If you've listened to this podcast regularly, this is something we have anticipated and quite frankly even called for in this space. Uh, the last handful of podcasts we've anticipated you know, specifically a move like this, CJ to New Orleans. But regardless of, of, of feelings and, and all that, it's this is the end of an era. This is the end of the Damon-CJ pairing that began in 2013 and lasted until February of 2022. I want to talk about what the Blazers got in the trade, what this trade sort of signals for their next steps, and then I want to close the show remembering the CJ McCollum era, uh, remembering what CJ McCollum brought to the Trailblazers in his eight-plus seasons in Portland. But let's start with the deal, because the deal is the big thing. The Blazers did not wait until deadline day. A couple days before deadline day, they sent C.J. McCollum, Tony Snell, and forward Larry Nance Jr. to the New Orleans Pelicans in exchange for Josh Hart, Tomas Sadoransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Didi Luzada, a 2022 protected first-round pick from the Pelicans, and two future second-rounders. That's the haul. Let's talk about what that Hall means. One, Thomas Sadoransky, let's just start with the stuff that's not going to happen. Thomas Sadoransky is an expiring contract. He was just thrown in to make the uh, make the deal work. Didi Luzada has a $1.8 million guaranteed contract for next season. He could be on the roster, but the two sort of big names around this trade are Josh Hart, a 6'5 wing. I mean, he, he plays bigger than 6'5. He's a really good rebounder and pretty solid defender and good passer. But 6'5", nonetheless, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a shoot-first, shoot-second, shoot-third guard who was the former number 19 pick in the NBA draft, a former first-rounder. The 2022nd round pick is uh, protected such that if it's it's in the top four, it goes to the Pelicans. And if it's outside of uh, the top 14, it goes to the Hornets. So if it lands between pick number five and pick number 14 in the upcoming draft, the Blazers will get that pick from New Orleans. The Pelicans are currently 10th in the West. They would have to, you know, if they make the playoffs, they'll be picking it. The Blazers are un unlikely to get the um, get the selection, but if the Pelicans miss the play-in altogether or do not make the playoffs out of the play-in round, the Blazers are going to get that pick and could find themselves with two draft picks. They'll also find themselves with Josh Hart and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, as you may have guessed from my intro in this show, like I'm not really a Nikhil Alexander-Walker believer. Um, does not do it for me. One of the least aesthetically pleasing players in the league. Shoot first, shoot second, shoot third, shoot fourth, shoot fifth, then shoot sixth. Also shoot a seventh time if possible. Uh, it's He's just, he's a dude who gets him up. Uh, and he's also a career, has a career field goal percentage under 40%. I will say this for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, averaging career highs, 12.8 points. Career high 3.3 boards, a career high 2.8 assists. He's 23 with a year left on his rookie deal. He hasn't really panned out in his first three years, but there's a there's a chance that he's could come into his own and improve on um improve on that. He I thought he was an okay uh, like 
guard complimentary part after his rookie season, and he has gotten a lot worse. Um, for my money, he just he's he's a volume shooter who doesn't shoot it particularly well. Um, that's that's a tough combo. Not someone not someone that I'm excited about. Uh, your mileage may vary. I think some people are more excited about Nikhil Alexander Walker. I'm not trying to. I mean, I guess I am trying to sway you because you're listening to my podcast. But um, it is what it is. Like my. I very well could be wrong is, is what I'm trying to say here. Josh Hart, I like. Uh, if you recall the podcast I recorded with Jake Madison of Locked on Pels, where we discussed a framework for this trade that was basically the same thing, Hart, Sadoransky, and Jackson Hayes, uh, and a couple first-round picks. I was, I'm was i a Hart believer, like a really solid role player, averaging a career-high 13.4 points to go with 7.8 rebounds and a career-high 4.1 assists. He averaged over eight boards last year and close to eight this year at 6'5". Like, dude can really rebound at his size, uh, plays hard, averaging career-high assists. Like, I didn't think he was much of a playmaker, and then I've watched him a handful of times this season. I've probably watched 15 Pelicans games because I'm a league pass junkie uh, or an idiot. <laughs> Take your pick. Uh, but Hart has really turned into a really good secondary creator. He's not a point guard, can't run your offense, but as, like, swing the ball to him on the second side, let him run a pick and roll and make some decisions, he's good there and he can help. I think... On a good team, Josh Hart is a really solid piece. He is under contract uh, for this season and next season at twelve point nine million, so about thirteen million, which is a pretty good deal for his skill set because I think he's I think he can play and thirteen million for someone who can play is a good deal. Although it's a little bit strange, his guarantee date on that contract for next season isn't till June twenty fifth, so it's pretty late in the year. So the Blazers won't, you know, they can just like kind of hold on to Hart and figure out what happens with the rest of the roster and then make a decision. But for my money, if the Blazers are trying to be good, Josh Hart is someone who helps you be good. I think that's uh, undeniable. On the Pelican side, uh, you know, giving up a first round pick and a couple seconds and Josh Hart for CJ McCollum is maybe a little bit steep, uh, maybe steeper than I would have guessed. But I think the inclusion of Larry Nance in this deal makes this more palatable for the Pelicans. And I think you could argue from either side, like for my money, I think the Pelicans did a little better than the Blazers. But Kevin Pelton, someone who I really respect and really, um, really think is, is former guest on the podcast and just a really smart dude. Uh, he thinks that the that the Blazers actually made out better than the Pelicans when you consider overall assets because of what they the price they had to pay for CJ. But for me, the inclusion of Larry Nance makes this uh, pr- pretty, pretty nice for the Pelicans. Larry Nance Jr. was, if you'll recall, if you listen, long-time listeners of the podcast will know, someone who I thought was really a nice acquisition for the Blazers. You know, they traded uh, Derek Jones Jr. and a protected first-round pick for the rights to get Larry Nance. Like, they went and chased him down, and they got him. Uh, and I thought he was really going to help, and he just never helped. He just never fit here. Um, he was pretty much obviously a backup five, and they tried to play him at the four, and then they carved him some space at the five, and then they bench cove and moved him back to the four. He was a bad fit with Nurk. Uh, he just never, it never really clicked for Larry Nance in the way that I thought it would. I thought he'd be much, much more productive in Portland, and he quite frankly wasn't. He has one year remaining on this contract. The Blazers got out from under that money, uh, and, and now Nance heads to New Orleans, where I think he could be valuable. Like, the way I feel about Hart, the way I feel about Nance on a good team that's a valuable winning type player um, it's too bad it didn't work out for Larry here but I think there's some real value in uh, in what the Pelicans have and and the Pelicans wanted CJ because they want to go for it and they need guard help they don't really have with all due respect to Devontae Graham they do not have very good guards like they just they they need better guard play from that group they've turned over a lot of the ball handling and playmaking duties Brandon Ingram and he's taken a step forward there but CJ should help CJ might even get to play straight up point guard in New Orleans uh Something that he very rarely got to do here, mostly because he has a lot of qualities of a two. But I, I think the Pelicans, you know, with 
a group of CJ, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, Jonas Valanciunas, and if, if, big if, Zion Williams comes back, like that's a good team. That's a good team. I think they did they did well here. And I don't, I think the Blazers overall package is kind of underwhelming. You know, good role player in Josh Hart, okay young part in Nikhil Alexander-Walker, although not for me, a couple seconds and a protected first. Like that's, that seems a little bit underwhelming, but when you consider CJ McCollum at 30 years old with $60 million, 30 plus million over the next two years to get a potential lottery pick in a couple seconds and someone who can help your team in Josh Hart, like that's pretty good. Uh, it's This isn't a trade that you should be really excited about. I'm not telling you to be excited, but I don't think this is a horrible, I don't think the Blazers got fleeced in this deal. I think they got maybe got fleeced in the Norman Powell, Robert Covington trade, but I don't think this one was that bad. So where does it put them? That's what I want to talk about in the second segment. After this trade, where do the Blazers find themselves? That's what we'll do in the second segment. But before we do that, let me tell you about prize picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. It's a game that I play, and I think you might like to play it too. Here's how it works. You download the app in your app store, or you go to their website, prizepicks.com, and you pick two and five players in your over-under projections. So you can win up to 10 times on every entry. It's super quick, and it's super easy to use. You're you're just picking the over-under projections on each individual player. So that's points, rebounds, and steals. You're picking on either side of the line. You're not playing against experts. You're not playing against the field. It's just you versus the projections. Uh, I like going, you know, points and points and assists for Amphrey Simons or, or uh, points for Amphrey Simons and assists for Yusuf Nurkic kind of playing around on the, on Blazer picks. Super simple. I can make those selections in under 60 seconds and then this quick, fast withdrawals so I can get my money after I win. It's not just the NBA. They got college basketball, college football, the NFL, uh, Major League Baseball, should that ever come back, soccer. Uh, it's all over the map. And right now, PricePix has an exclusive no-brainer offer for you. If you use the promo code NBA when you sign up and a player on your first PricePix entry scores one single point, that's right, one single point, you'll get $50 free deposited into your account. So sign up, go to their website, PricePix.com, download the app, use the promo code NBA when you're making that sign up, and then pick Anthony Simons and pick him to score one point. Pick him to score whatever, over, under, any points. If he scores one point, you're going to get free 50 bucks. Easy money. Go get it for yourself. That's prize picks. Daily fantasy made easy. Lockdown Blazers is also supported by Gresham Family Law. Do you have a family attorney? Well, you might need one because when you're faced with a big decision that could affect your family and your future, Gresham Family Law could be the decision for you. You don't have to face it alone. Gresham Family Law has your back. They're going to help you prepare for a successful marriage, protect your home, preserve your legacy, and ensure that your last wishes are honored with respect. Gresham Family Law is proud to provide holistic family law representation and counsel in areas of family law, including divorce, custody, probate of wills, estate planning, and bankruptcy. So call Gresham Family Law right now at 503-465-9900 to set up an in-person consultation at their location at 1217 Northeast Burnside Road in Gresham or a socially distanced consultation over Zoom or over the telephone. Home visits are also available for certain types of clients and certain types of cases. Visit GreshamFamilyLaw.com for more information. All right. Let's talk more about CJ McCollum. Let's talk more where this trade landed. Blazers ended an era. Send CJ away. You're ushering in what's next. And so you're asking, Mike, man, what's next? A couple friends have texted me. I uh, had a long conversation with a, with one friend over the phone, but this morning was like, "What the heck? What the heck are they gonna do?" So, t- 
so the the sort of straightforward answer to your question is I don't know what they're gonna do, but I know where they're gonna I know where they're gonna kind of land. First of all, the trade from the Pelicans, if they if they get the pick from the Pelicans in this trade, they're gonna end up with two lottery picks, their own lottery pick and the Pelicans lottery pick. That's that's gonna jumpstart you one way or another, right? You're either gonna make two picks of two rookies that can help, or you're gonna have two picks in the top 15, top 13 that are going to uh, give you a chance to make a trade and land a, a, a major part. But the Blazers find themselves having trade away a lot of their core contributors. CJ McCollum, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Larry Nance Jr. That, those are four rotation players on a team that expected to be pretty good. And what they're left with was is, you know, rookie Keon Johnson, veteran Justice Winslow, veteran Josh Hart, veteran Nikhil Alexander-Walker, or, you know, a third-year player, young veteran Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and the partially guaranteed contract of Eric Bledsoe, three second-round picks and a first-round pick. That doesn't feel very good. That doesn't feel very good. But if it sets up what's next, it makes this feel a little bit better. And we said we'd take sort of the what happens to the trade deadline at, like holistically, right? Like not look at each individual part and like, oh man, they screwed up the Norman Power Out Covington trade. Oh man, I don't love the return for CJ. Like we'll look at it on the whole. I say on the whole right now, still kind of underwhelming, but the Blazers aren't in a terrible spot. Um, the second lottery pick for in exchange for CJ seems to be pretty good uh you're really 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 rooting for the pelicans to lose if you're at home you might want to start tuning into pelicans games and root, root against them heavily uh the blazers also in this trade uh, with the pelicans create a 21 million dollar uh traded player exception now that was pitched by adrian wojnarowski shortly after it was woj reported this shortly after the trade went down as kind of like proof that the blazers are are still going for and retooling around dame and you know they've they've got all this uh, to use a to use a controversial term of flexibility the f word, uh, you know like, hooray and quite frankly, the trade of Blair exception means nothing to me. Uh, those things typically expire or often expire. We haven't seen them used. Certainly, they're rarely rarely used by non glamour markets in these situations. It's just the, 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 those things are mostly meaningless. Put in your back pocket. Uh, trade player exception basically means you can absorb a player who makes 21 million or less into the trade. You can't combine traded player exceptions. You can't combine players. Single player, single absorption. Um, if there's someone making 20 million bucks who the Blazers want to absorb, they could do that and skirt um, and not have to do salary matching stuff in the trade. Could be valuable usually is not but what the blazers do do with this trade what they do do is they can potentially have max cap space right now under contract for next season damon lillard Nikhil alexander walker nazir little justice winslow keon johnson Didi luzada greg brown jr and potentially josh hart with that late guarantee date that means the blazers have eight players under contract Eric Bledsoe's partially guaranteed deal, basically an expiring. He's not going to be on the roster next year, one way or another. Anthony Simons cap hold and Yusuf Nurkic's cap hold. So that means if they don't bring back Nurk and they don't bring back Josh Hart, the Blazers could be have max cap space potential to be in a in a spot to be really aggressive and and how they uh, how they pursue free agents. The free agent class is pretty underwhelming. Portland is a non-glamour market, uh, very unlikely to make a splash in free agency. But what 
cap space would allow you to do is make a trade in the summer and absorb a bad contract, absorb a big money contract, I should say. And that's the Blazers' path forward, right? Is you're armed with all this cap space and some some draft capital, and if you want to pursue a star player, you can absorb them using that cap space and with your with your draft picks, and that's how you would be able to do it. That's the Blazers' best path forward. There's you know there's three ways to improve your team. It's a Neil Olshay thing, but it's true. The draft, trades, and free agency. The Blazers may or may not be players of the draft. They're very unlikely to be players in free agency, but trades are the avenue for them to get better. And this this deal with New Orleans sets them up to still have that obvious avenue to improve themselves. Is that a guarantee? No. Are you kind of... Is it kind of underwhelming to say, okay, well, now they've got some hope for the summer after trading CJ McCollum? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not trying to change your mind on that. Absolutely. Is it underwhelming to say... Okay, they trade one of the you know best players in the last ten years, one of the you know fifteen best players in the history of the franchise, and what they have is some cap space and a traded player exception and Keon Johnson. Cool. <laughs> it's it's not ideal, but I don't. But I think they have some flexibility, or the word I've jokingly used today is elasticity, because I don't want to use the Neil Olshay flexibility word. Um, they can sign Ant back. He's a restricted free agent. They can sign Nurk back. They have his bird rights. They can go over the cap and they will still have limited flexibility. They're not going to have massive cap space if they bring Hart and Nurk back, but they'll have, they have an opportunity to either to choose between you bring back winning players like Nurk and Hart or you go a different direction. They have a, they have a, they have a chance to make decisions this summer. And that's about the most you could realistically ask for. I would say that this, the Blazers are in a position where it's hard to say if they're coming or going. If you believe Adrian Wojnarowski's report on ESPN, they're they're committed to chasing stars and retooling around Damian Lord, and they very well may do that. In fact, Jake Fisher, as I hit record on this podcast on a Tuesday afternoon, said the Blazers are still uh, pursuing Jeremy Grant, one of the best forwards available on the market. Not a star, not an all-star, but a very good forward who would help help you win games, right? Like, And that may be the direction they go, and I think if Damian Lord's on the roster, that's the direction they go. They're going to try to win if Dame's on the roster. But these trades haven't precluded going the other direction. Um, they could still, they could move on from Dame. They could, they could, I don't think they will, but like these trades have not uh, boxed them in anywhere. They could still conceivably go for it because they have some avenues to get better via trade or the draft. And they could still conceivably tear it down because they just don't have much money on the books for next season. They did get some elasticity, some flexibility moving forward. Does that make you feel good about this year's team? No, but they're intentionally being bad. Would you like them to see like get like bona fide players who could help more so than Josh Hart, a really solid role player who's like will be good on a good team and maybe kind of meh on a bad team? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. You would like them to see them do more. But they didn't, but I don't think these trades really put them in a terrible spot. It made them worse, but being worse if that like being worse and losing a bunch of games and getting a better draft pick might end up having some value. I think in the near term, they're just a team with like nine guards and 13 players or 14 players in the roster. They're too small. Something's got to give, or they're just going to play a wild brand of basketball over the final 20 games of this season, but they're going to miss the playoffs. They are going to keep their draft pick. They are, have a decently good shot at getting their draft pick from the Pelicans. And if it doesn't convey this year, it turns into a future first. That future first will still have some value. Well, it remains to be seen what the protections on that will be. But the future first will have some value from the Pelicans, who I don't project to like jump into the upper echelon of the West. Maybe that just makes me a hater because their two best players went to Duke. Well, uh, I'll, I'll let you sort that one out. But I think 
my immediate reaction to this trade is not great. Overall, the like the whole trade deadline, not great. But I don't think the Blazers are in this spot where they're they're committed one direction. I think they've got um, they kind of they're open ended. The the story is unwritten, and it allows them to, if they want to get better, to chase it via the draft or chase it via trades. And if they want to get bad, they're really a, they're one one uh, one pulled plug, one Damon Lillard trade away from being bad, like truly tear down, build around Ant, move forward with that intentionally, and you can get there. They could get max cap space if that's the thing they need by uh, not bringing back Josh Hart or Yusuf Nurkic, or they could kind of land somewhere in the middle and be a competitive NBA team again with some tweaks around the margins. Did they... I don't think they've given you a clear direction, but if you believe that they're going to go for it, they have a chance to go for it. And if you believe that this is the beginning of the true teardown and true rebuild, they have set themselves on a path to go for that true teardown and true rebuild without much, without much effort in either direction. Like the, both of those options are still on the table. So what about CJ McCollum? The era ended. What I want to do to close the show is, rem- is talk about what I'll remember from the CJ era and what I'll appreciate after eight plus seasons from CJ McCollum here in Portland. Before we do that, let me tell you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's what they're doing. They're making delicious protein bars. The average Built Bar, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of four grams of net carbs, and four grams of sugar. It's a pretty good deal. Packing a punch. And they're tasty, covered in 100% chocolate. My personal favorites, peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream. But you can also find uh, mint brownie and coconut almond and raspberry, uh, double chocolate, salted caramel, all kinds of delicious flavors. And limited time flavors are popping up all the time at Built.com. So don't wait. Go take advantage of these delicious bars. Get yourself some. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. you get 15% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked on Blazers. What will we remember from the CJ McCollum era? It ended today, February 8th, 2022. It started way back in 2014 after CJ McCollum missed the first chunk of his season and had to begin in the G League with the Idaho Stampede. Made his NBA NBA debut on January 8th, 2014. But he didn't really have an opportunity to shine until the playoffs in 2015, the following year. And that was his second season in the league. And it wasn't supposed to be that way. Wes Matthews had to tear his Achilles. And then Aaron Aflalo had to hurt his, his shoulder. And the Blazers were left with no other choice but to play a second-year diminutive guard. And what did he do? He gave Memphis buckets. One of the best defensive teams in the league, he gave them buckets. He prompted then-coach Dave Yeager of the Memphis Grizzlies to say, we've got a C.J. McCollum problem. And C.J. McCollum was a problem from then on out. He had had his coming out party right there in uh, the 2015 playoffs and then proceeded to win Most Improved Player of the Year award in 2015-16 when the Blazers tore it down, turned the keys over to C.J. McCollum, and he averaged career highs across the board as the Blazers starting two guard and established himself as a legitimate second star next to Damian Lillard. They made the playoffs every single year from then on out. Only time they wouldn't is now, in 2022. So what I'll remember from CJ is that breakout in Memphis, that while him and Myers Leonard were both very good in that series, Myers Leonard was good because it was a nice matchup, and CJ McCollum was good because it was a bad matchup. They put Tony frickin' Allen on him, and they couldn't guard him. That's the sign of someone who can go get a bucket, and CJ was a bucket the moment he showed up. I'll remember him fondly for that, for that playoff series in Memphis. 
And I'll remember him fondly for Game 7 in Denver in 2019. The signature moment he put on the franchise, or put his, when he put his mark on the franchise. Not just the 37 points and the game-sealing left elbow jumper with under 20 seconds left that put the Blazers up, and him yelling, you can't effing guard me. And then prompting when a uh, reporter, a team reporter, Casey Holdo, asked him about it afterwards, CJ said, nah, say the F word, <laughs> encouraging uh, team, a co-worker and team employee to swear in a nationally televised uh, interview. I'll remember him for those 37 points. I'll remember him for that left elbow jumper. I'll remember him for getting, for shrugging off Tory Craig. I'll remember him for chasing down uh, Jamal Murray and blocking a shot in a four-point game with under three minutes left. I'll remember that epic game against Denver, uh, 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 putting the Blazers into the Western Conference Finals in 2019 for a place they hadn't been in two decades prior to that, and a place they haven't been since, haven't been close. I'll remember that very fondly, a, a truly signature moment. But what I won't forget is that 2019 playoffs, CJ was awesome in the opening round against OKC. Damon Lord was otherworldly, averaging 30-plus and shooting 45% from three or something in that range, above 44% from three. He was awesome. But the Blazers don't win if CJ McCollum isn't fantastic in that series. He was also very, very, very good. The Blazers won because that duo was better than the Russell Westbrook and Paul George duo. They won because Damian Lord hit a 37-footer to give himself 50, dotting an epic game. But the Blazers don't get in that spot if CJ McCollum isn't so good in the opening round. And I'll remember that entire series against Denver, where CJ McCollum was the Blazers' best player. He was the Blazers' best offensive player in that series. Uh, Damian Lord's shot kind of uh, abandoned him a little bit, and, and Denver, after uh, Dame had been so, so, so special against OKC, Denver committed a lot of defensive attention to Dame. And so the test, as it were, were what, who, can, who can help when Dame is being taken out of his game. And, and for that moment, that series, all seven games against Denver, CJ McCollum was special, fantastic, including missing a jumper in the fourth overtime, grabbing his own rebound and twirling and kicking out to Rodney Hood for a game-sealing three-pointer. CJ comes up with an assist. Yeah, that's right. CJ passed the ball in a big moment and it mattered. I'll appreciate that whole entire 2019 run from CJ McCollum. The Game 7 in Denver will be the, the signature moment, but that whole stretch, he was fantastic. And quite frankly, I'll remember CJ McCollum for his consistency. Seven consecutive seasons of over 20 points shot at least 37.5% from three in all those seasons and proved that, if nothing else, the dude was a was an absolute bucket. He'll finish, he'll leave Portland as the franchise's fifth all-time leading scorer and has uh, at least somewhat of a case to be creeping towards the top 10 players in the history of the franchise. For me, he's probably top 15 and not quite top 10, but he's one of the really special players that has played here. Didn't have the success of some of the others, obviously didn't make an all-star team and doesn't have those individual accolades, but the consistency of scoring and the consistency of, of success that he had next to Damian Lord. That's what I'll remember from C.J. McCollum. Also remember him as just kind of like uh, a weird, thoughtful dude. Um, you know, I came, I started covering the Blazers, C.J. McCollum's in 2014-15, prior to C.J. McCollum's breakout against the Memphis Grizzlies. 
you know, my first, my second year on the beat was, uh, was CJ McCollum's MIP season. He was someone who I wrote about frequently and was actually teased by my colleagues on the Oregonian beat for, I was a nerd and I liked CJ because he was a nerd too. And CJ was, he loved to talk about hard hedges and staying in your shell on defense. And we'd kind of go back to that tropes and locker rooms and talk about, you've got to watch film and get back in the lab. He was a guy who loved basketball, but he also had some, you know, passions outside of that. He wanted it to be or or probably will be quite frankly uh, a, a member of the media he started a podcast he joined tnt's broadcast for the playoffs he was uh interviewed commissioner adam silver on three separate occasions and he invested in a vineyard he got into wine later in his life or you know later in his nba life at 28 or whatever like it's still extremely young in the grand scheme of things but later in his, his blazers career got into wine to the point where he made some wine. And then he said, I want to make some wine for real and bought himself a vineyard out in Yamhill County, just south of Portland. I'll remember CJ for being a guy who embraced the city, for a guy who consistently got it done as a second option. And while Dame got all the accolades, CJ just kept doing what he did. He scored every single night. He didn't change his game too much. He just brought it. And in the words of CJ McCollum, if he never makes an all-star team, it's okay. Because he knows he's nice. And I think that's what we should remember about C.J. McCollum's career. He was nice. Dude was a bucket. He went and got it. Every single night, for seven seasons, he delivered. And while the Blazers maybe didn't reach their highest of heights, C.J. McCollum's weird fit next to Damian Lord was not his choice, not his problem. It was a decision made by the, the uh, higher-ups of the franchise, by Neil Olshay himself. C.J. McCollum, Neil's prized draft possession. And what did C.J. McCollum do other than prove that with the 10th pick in the 2013 NBA draft, it's a hell of a choice, a really good basketball player. Sure, he wasn't the guy who pushed the Blazers over the top, but he was the guy that kept the Blazers right there in the middle every single night because he was dependable. So best of luck, C.J. McCollum in New Orleans, a place where at their peak, C.J. McCollum will be their third best player, perhaps a perfect role for him. And before they get to that peak, he'll be desperately the guard, competent guard play they need to push themselves in the direction they want to go. So best of luck to C.J. McCollum. Thanks for the memories in Rip City. I'll remember Game 7. I'll appreciate everything else. Blazers are going to probably make more moves before the trade deadline comes. We're two days away still. Uh, we will have it all covered right here on Locked on Blazers. I'm recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, there's a chance even by Tuesday evening they, they make another trade. I'll just record another show. I'm not afraid, y'all. We'll keep it moving. Uh, come back. Listen to the show. Uh, we'll we're got you covered all up to the trade deadline and afterwards, five days a week, available wherever you get podcasts. If we need more than five shows this week, we'll do more than five shows this week. Tell your friends, available wherever they got podcasts and also on YouTube. Just search Locked on Blazers. Find us right there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.